Well, hey, how's it going? My name is Jess, but I have no delusions about my role around here. I understand that that's not why you started listening to this podcast. You are here to find out why your life has been this way and what you can do about it. And spoilers, for most of us, that starts with understanding our brains. So let's just get into this neural nonsense and start talking about moving on from trauma. Now, we've really made trauma into a big word with a lot of negative connotations, qualifications, and overcomplications. I don't think that I know a single person who hasn't shamefully uttered the phrase, but I wonder if it's really bad enough to count as trauma when other people have had it worse. So let's just stop right there and clear up the fact that trauma has absolutely nothing to do with being in the top 1% of human tragedy. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. There is no threshold for mental illness. There is no threshold for trauma. Trauma actually is nothing more than a splitting of your brain's memory systems. So, you know, you kind of have two brains. You've got a fancy human one and a basic animal one, right? Well, you also have two memory centers, one that handles your narrative memories, the explicit memory system. This is the logical human stories that we tell ourselves about what's happened to us. And then the other one handles your visceral memories, the implicit memory system. These are the emotional, sensory, experiential recollections surrounding events. So basically, it's like remembering what some words said on a page and how that concept links up to your lifelong experience versus remembering the visual, emotional, and auditory conditions that were present when you were seeing those words. Your brain handles those memory tasks differently, obviously because they're incredibly different. Now, the problem with having two memory systems besides the fact that we like to focus on narrative memories and just kind of poo-poo the experiential ones, is having them controlled by two different brain operational systems. Your reasonable storytelling, sense-making, narrative memories operate with your human logical brain, the frontal cortex and all the high-level integrative and predictive things we like to think of as being uniquely human, right? And then your sensory, emotional, experiential memories are going to be more in line with your basic bodily animal brain, the equipment in the back and center of your head that really looks a lot like every other animal brain in the evolution of brains. It's what we think of as your rudimentary survival system, the thing that keeps you alive even if your reasonable brain was destroyed. When we have a traumatic event take place, it just means that something happened in which your survival system was activated to the extent that your human brain went offline. Something questioned your immediate or future safety that caused a neurotransmitter release that threw you into a sympathetic system response. 
This happened so that you could divert energetic resources to the please keep me alive functions rather than the let's sit down and understand what and why this happened operations. And as you might imagine, this messes with your ability to sort and process and file away all of the information that you're absorbing during the upsetting time. Because your animal brain is in control, your human brain doesn't really have a chance to analyze and interact with the data bits that are still flowing in. And then the event passes and everything should be fine, right? Well, not exactly, because your head is still backlogged with data that hasn't been dealt with, and these informational points aren't really hanging in the same place so you can stitch them all together. So without having the ability to make a cohesive storyline about whatever the fuck just took place, you can't really clear the cachet of information that your head has recently acquired. The memories are put in a deal-with-it-later pile so that you can at least get your ass out of the line of fire and continue with your daily functioning to the best of your abilities. And this is it. That's, that's it. That's the basis of trauma. Unresolved experiential memories that need to be incorporated with narrative memories so that your head can toss them into the historical file knit the events into a continuous timeline, and stop treating them like they're still currently happening. This reactivation of neurons that don't tell a logical story, that's where you get your flashbacks, your nightmares, and even your sensory hallucinations at some points in this whole trauma talk. And boom, trauma mechanism of the brain and the most disturbing downstream events kind of pretty well succinctly explained. Now, what you might still be wondering is, shouldn't it be just that simple to pull up your experiential memories and give them some context and then move the fuck on already? Put the two memory systems back together and be done with it? Well, maybe. Except for the fact that recalling them has the tendency to make your brain kick back into survival mode again when it wrongly believes that it's currently in danger. Now, this is where you get panic attacks and survival responses in line with the four Fs, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, which again, deactivate your human brain and manage to make your rudimentary animal system take the wheel again. So you're more likely to just re-disassociate as you swim through sensory flashbacks and then enter a stage of blankety brain fog as your body flips into preparing to escape before eventually exhausting itself and just pooping out on energy drain, thereby taking away your ability to put these split memories back together. And this is also why you end up with nervous system dysregulation on top of your memory and cognitive dysregulation in the aftermath of some real fucked up shit. You keep telling your brain that it's fight or flight time, but really you're like sitting in a cubicle igniting your own survival responses with disorganized memories. 
This is why having a therapist who can reground you, as in convince your entire system that you're here now in these current safe circumstances, is really pretty critical in trauma recovery. Don't talk to somebody who does not understand this fact, or they are only going to drudge up your worst memories and then leave you drowning in them. Thanks, therapist that I saw in college, for example. So if you can feel physically presently safe, now can't you just throw the thoughts together and be done with it? Well, okay. Kind of, theoretically, and this is the other really difficult part of trauma, the cognitive obsession that it creates when you have unprocessed memories. So besides having those experiential memories floating around without a home, you also have the natural impulse to try to make sense of them with that logical brain. You don't normally have to really try to put things in the right filing cabinet in your head, right? The data that you observe in your environment, upsetting or not, normally, naturally gets incorporated into your neural connections for better or for worse without any concerted effort on your part. But not so much with traumatic events for a pretty simple reason. The information just doesn't align The neurons that you've already strung together via a lifetime of learning do not correspond with what you've just observed or with your interpretation of what you've just observed. Your perspective on life, which you have carefully curated over your whole existence as you continually try to make sense of past events and predict upcoming ones in your world, it just no longer explains what you have seen here. And you can't manage to smash those puzzle pieces together. Essentially, you had one set of beliefs, one set of neural connections that it operated on a daily basis, probably without ever questioning them. And then your brain suddenly has this new information streaming in that does not correspond at all with what you thought you previously knew. So, To visualize it, you can think of like a branch of neural connections. Just think of a tree branch. Let's say there are a bunch of limbs heading in a horizontal pattern. And now you just tried to incorporate several new limbs that are also designed in a horizontal fashion, but they're coming from the opposite direction and they're running parallel to each other without touching. They have these massive gaps in between the limbs the tips of the branches just aren't making contact. The connections are not there. So you have a before time structure and a, well, this new thing just happened structure. The two separate branches of neural linkages, which contain all of your memories, thoughts, and behavioral instructions, just can't seem to make contact with one another to form a complete tree. So you can think about your past, And you can think about your one traumatic event and maybe everything that has followed. But you can't seem to put them together in a cohesive cognition that incorporates both, right? Now, this is where we get stuck in a compartmentalized neural network, or several, I think, 
that explains things like intrusive thoughts and ruminations, obsessions, and lifetimes of it's unfair anger. Because those are the things we can access. We can have little blips in the system and we can have emotional responses to them. And the difference between expected events and actual events will make all of those things happen continually until you have a brain drain with zero energy left to actually logically mash the two things together. So you really just get a lot of upset as related emotions are continually brought up and your head also tries to create a set of predictive instructions based on all of this mismatching information to still try to understand what's to come in the future. And this is where we're consistently thrown into the past for the painful, literally often physically painful recollections, and then also thrown into the future for the terrifying, literally often physically terrifying predictions of upcoming survival instructions. And not to mention just kind of spinning around in the presence where we're probably one big pile of shame looking forwards and backwards and everywhere in between, trying our best not to be found out by our social comrades who would most definitely think less of us for showing that we're having this mental mishap taking place. Or, you know, so we think, because we really, really love to punish ourselves. So we will expand on that. We will talk about shame another time. But for now, just know that it is your brain's attempt to explain unwanted events by blaming yourself. The what could I have done differently and if I just wasn't in this place at this time and maybe I made that happen or I deserved it to happen thoughts are your head's fairly innocent attempt to find a reason for the unreasonable. Now, unfortunately, shame results in a lot of shutdown. We obsess over hating ourselves and stop feeling motivated to do anything for ourselves. We also want to hide away from the rest of the species because we feel unfit to be in their presence. For a lot of us, shame is also a new form of dissociation, which can be seen as further trauma to the brain. We hate the version of ourself that, quote, brought on the trauma. And we also find that we, quote, don't recognize who we've become. And in this way, we continue to fragment our memory systems as we build obsessive interpretations of ourselves and then compartmentalize those neural structures from the rest of our available brain connections. Because, you know, again, these new impressions don't really align with any of the historical perceptions or the ones that we want to be operating with every day. And that is the whole dissociative identity conversation in a nutshell. Don't worry, we'll we'll come back to it. But on trauma, what haven't we covered so far? The rest of your brain, body, and life disturbances that go along with PTSD are going to be explained by what we've pretty much discussed here already today. 
triggers, anxiety, ADHD, insomnia, depression, avoidance, survival responses, survival personalities, loss of identity, learned helplessness, self-harm, self-abandonment, um, health failures. That's the rest of the talk. The downstream effects that create functional disturbances and if you let them, truly tragic biographies. But you don't have to let them. And that's what I really want to end on with this trauma discussion. If you ask me, and a lot of other fuckers, you can make changes to overcome whatever your well-meaning but disaster-programmed think box has been trying to do. You don't have to let its automatic processes define your daily existence and lifelong trajectory. You do have to help it clear the backlog so you can create a new set of instructions moving forward. Rewiring, as they call it. And yeah, it sucks, as we all call it. And so for that, I think that it really helps to have some idea of what is going on in your stupid fucking brain to get the work done. For some people, accomplishing that is going to mean revisiting and re-understanding what may have already happened early in your stupid fucking life for context and for problem pattern identification. And, you know, I guess that that's where we're going to logically pick up next time. Talking about the more specific niche interests that a lot of listeners might have. Now that we know what trauma is... Let's talk about what the shit it means when we get diagnosed with complex trauma, which, you know, are unsurprisingly just more complicated stories about the same mental shittery stretched over all of your formative years. Let's pick up and talk about that next time. I'll see you there. Cheers.